Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Wormburner Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, it seems like we're going around the world, starting off in Liga Mekis in Mexico to go over what's going on there, then crossing the Atlantic to go over to London, England, to talk about Chelsea Football Club and what's going on there with the sanctions being given by the UK government, and then crossing the Atlantic again, going down to Brazil in South America and breaking down the Brazilian league. I have really looked forward to this week's episode, honestly, because I never really understood the Brazilian league until I researched for this episode. And of course, now I'm super, super glad that I do understand it. And now I can tell all of you. But before we do that, if you have not already, go to our Facebook page and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner podcast. And if you have not checked out our page, it is the dash wormburner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm. Again, that is the dash wormburner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm. If you know anyone that would be interested in this podcast, I highly advise that you share it with them, maybe even listen along with them. I hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. So, going into what's going on in Mexico, there has been a lot going on. There has been a riot, full-out riot between two teams, Atlas and Cuententaro. Then we also had a big board meeting between all of the Liga Mekis club owners to discuss what was going on or what was going to happen in the league concerning it. So going over the reports, there was an attack during the Atlas versus Quintentaro game. This is a rivalry. And the reports, sadly, are just heartbreaking. It's something that you don't ever, ever want to be talking about, especially on a podcast itself. So there were multiple different stories that I had heard, one of them being that a police officer ended up unlocking the away section of the stadium for ultras of Quintentaro. I've also heard that people broke in. They basically smashed the gates down to be able to get into the away section, the the away fans to get to the away fans and it's just absolutely heartbreaking the videos coming out of it families running across the pitch to try to get away from the violence and it it just breaks your heart it's just something that I can't believe that something like this happened at all it has no place in soccer at all and I think it goes without saying but this is very obviously condemned It's something that, like I said, it should never, ever happen in soccer. So the reports, based off of the injuries, there have been 25 people hospitalized, as well as three people in critical condition. Thankfully, there are 19 out of those 25 out of the hospital already. So that is a good sign, and I I do really wish the best for the rest of them in their fight to get back to normalcy in life and feeling better. I really hope that they feel better. Now, based off of the area's government, they have stated that there are no deaths in this attack, but there are some sources that I have found that said that 
there are. They don't know how many. And some people have even speculated that the government is covering what's going on up. And it just, it's it's kind of sickening, honestly, just to even have to research it. It's not something that I want to research. I want to have fun with this podcast, you know. I'm just truly mortified with what's happening, and it's so sad to even think that a family went to that game just wanting to get away from life in general, and someone that was in that group didn't make it past that day. It's just heartbreaking, and my prayers go out to everyone associated with that and I hope that that they can find some way to continue with what's going on now going towards about a week later all games had been paused back after this riot that broke out between the two teams the big owners or all of the owners of the Liga MX sides met met and there were a lot of different things being thrown around. A lot of them were saying that teams were just going to be suspended. Team uh, Fans were going to be kept from games. There were going to be fines. I know that at least one or two sources that I read said that Quintentaro was even possibly going to be dissolved, which is just crazy. I even though I condemn everything that happened, to have a area's football team stripped is just a little too aggressive. If they thought that the fighting during the stadium was a riot, I'm really scared to think how it would have happened if they actually took the football team away, which thankfully they did not based off of the punishments that they have been given. Now, a lot of people feel that the punishments given was a slap on the wrist for Quintentaro. The reports have stated that Atlas Atlas fans actually did receive a punishment. No away fans are allowed to go to any games for, I believe it's a period of six months. And then there were the reports of the Quintentaro Bands, so all home games for Quintantaro are now behind closed doors for the rest of the year. The Baros, or what people in Mexico consider the Ultras, the Baros are not allowed to any game or any away game for the next three years, and then any and all members that is found to be a part of the riot that happened they are going to be banned for life from the stadium. I completely, completely agree with that. That's one thing I definitely agree with. Now, everyone, like I said, it's having different speculation around the world. A lot of people feel like this is just a slap on the wrist, that the that the people involved aren't going to learn anything, especially if they don't get caught. A lot of people feel a lot of anger due to the government trying to cover up some of the stuff that's been going on that's based off of some reports that I've read. It's just an overall horrendous thing that needs to be talked about and due to the fact that we need to eliminate things like this from happening. This can't happen. It, it No. The, it's called the beautiful game for a reason. And to be riddled with these things that happen it's 
it tarnishes everything. It's it punishes people that shouldn't be punished and it's just not a good situation for anyone. So like I said, I, I wish everyone the best in that area and I will be keeping up to date with anything going on in that area. If it comes up, I will bring it up. With that being said, let's go ahead and go across the Atlantic to what's going on at Chelsea Football Club. There has been sanctions released by the UK government stating that they are going to have their finances under very tight wraps a lot of the profit being made is going to be monitoring what the club spends their money on, like flights, for example, to games. I believe there has been a salary cap towards away games of £20,000. I know for a fact that when it comes to contracts, there are no contract renewals at this time or no contract renewals at this time. There are three major players are coming to the end of their contract in the summer, and one of them being Rudiger. He's a central defender for Chelsea. He had been instrumental, aside from Thiago Silva, he ended up signing his renewal contract in January before these sanctions happened. I am very glad when it comes to Chelsea that they were able to do that before the sanctions. But the problem is, when it comes to Rudiger and the other star players, they are not allowed to sign any contract, period. So, if they do not have a contract at the end of this season, they are free agents for literally anyone to pick up. That's not even including that there is a ban for any and all transfers coming into Chelsea Football Club. There had been reports, I'm not sure if it has been confirmed, but Christensen, which is another central defender for Chelsea, he is a backup. He is in talks with Barcelona, and if he leaves, Chelsea will not be allowed to replace him with any money that's being allocated towards a transfer budget for them. It's just a really bad situation. If things keep up the way that they're going, Chelsea Football Club will be in a very bad situation. A lot of people think that they're in a really bad situation now, which they are. I'm not trying to say that they aren't, but if this keeps up, they are not going to be able to sign any players at all, and they're having players leave on on a free to be able to play for other teams and in a really, really bad situation, they would have those players going to another Premier League team that they would be competing against. So the longer that this issue happens or the longer that this drags out, it's going to be even worse for Chelsea Football Club. So the reason that this is even happening, if you are not aware, six major Russian oligarchs have had property and assets seized by the UK government, and one of them being Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich is the owner of Chelsea Football Club, so Chelsea Football Club is no different when it comes to these assets being frozen. It includes this, and reports have been brought out that a consortium of people, or multiple people, are putting in bids for Chelsea Football Club. This is a scenario that is progressing forward every single day. I'm trying to keep up with it, but 
based off of the reports that I've seen, a official offer needs to be on the table by the end of this week or next week to be able to get Chelsea Football Club back on the run and competing in the English Premier League as well as the UEFA Champions League. Like I said, it's not a good situation at all the longer that this goes forward. I hope the best for Chelsea Football Club. And let's go ahead and go to our next section, which is going to be the breakdown of the Brazilian League. Alrighty, so for this week we're going to be discussing the Brazilian top flight, which is the Brasileiro Serie A. This was a very interesting league to look up. I had not seen one that was like this. We'll get into the specifics a little later. But the main competition of the Brazilian top flight is a competition between 20 teams that play between May and December for a total of 38 games in the season. At the end of the season, four teams are kicked out of the Brazilian top flight and the best four teams from the Brazilian second division are brought up into the Brasileiro City uh, division. Now, when it comes to the continental competition qualifications, you have two different competitions in South America. The first one is the Copa Libertadores, which is the South American equivalent of the UEFA Champions League. Then you have the Copa Sudamericana, which is the equivalent to the UEFA Europa League. So with those two competitions, the top six teams in the Brazilian top flight qualify for the Copa Libertadores or the UEFA Champions League equivalent in South America. And then you have the 7th place through 12th place qualifying for the Copa Sudamericana. The overall winners of the Brazilian top flight has spanned over a lot of teams. But there is one region that has had dominance in the Brazilian top flight for a very long time. But before we get into that, the top and leading team that has won the most Brazilian top flights is Parmeras, which hails from the Sao Paulo region in Brazil. They have won a total of 10 titles. In second place, you have Santos with 8 titles. Then Flamengo with seven, Corinthians with seven, San Paulo with six, rounding out the top five teams in the Brazilian top flight. Out of those top five, four of them are within the same region, which is the Sao Paulo region of Brazil. They've had a grip hold on the Brazilian top flight for a very long time. Out of the 62 Brasileiro Serie A titles since 1959, this was the first year that the Brazilian top flight was introduced in 1959 to present day. The Sao Paulo region of Brazil has won 32 out of the 62 titles. That is an unbelievable amount of titles. Over half of the titles have gone to one specific region in Brazil. This has created a hotbed 
of rivalries within the Sao Paulo region, but we'll be getting to that in just a second. To go over the other domestic competition in Brazil, that is the Copa do Brasil. It is the cup competition, the Elimination Cup competition, that was set up in 1989, which is directly 30 years after the league was set up uh, to basically create a domestic cup in Brazil. It is a bit of a shock that none of the Sao Paulo teams are the leading winner in this competition. The number one team with the most wins in the Copa do Brasil is Cruzeiro with six titles. To put into context how long they've had a, a dominance in Brazil, Cruzeiro I mean, they are currently in the Brazilian second division right now. And they're still holding the title for the most cup wins in Brazil. That is unbelievable. I, I think that's fascinating just to show how competitive Brazil truly is. And that's that alone is one reason to watch both the league and the cup competition in Brazil. Now, going into the rivalries in Brazil, I wanted to highlight a few. The first one, if you ever get the chance to see it, I would highly advise watching it, is Internacional versus Grêmio, which is a regional rivalry. This rivalry is always hotly contested every single year. These two teams constantly qualify for continental competition, let alone possibly going for the title every, I'd say, 10 years or so. The next rivalry I really wanted to highlight is, again, one that you should always watch if it's available to you, is Flamengo versus Fluminense. This is another hotly contested rivalry. This rivalry mainly resides within the Copa Libertadores qualification spots. Highly, highly, highly competitive. This is one of the most highly competitive rivalries in Brazil besides our number one pick when it comes to rivalries in Brazil. It's literally the entire Sao Paulo region. There are so many good teams from this region, it is not even funny. The first four alone, Palmeiras, Santos, Corinthians, and Sao Paulo FC are very, very good teams to be watching in the first place. Any of those teams playing each other is a rivalry, and that that's how competitive it really and truly is in Brazil. Now, going to the teams that have never been relegated, I had to dig very, very far for this. It's something that it wasn't very easy to obtain, but I have found it. Every single team in Brazil has been relegated at some point in their career. I know it's a little bit heartbreaking. It, this is this is the same as England. Every single team in England had been relegated at some point in their history. It's the same in Brazil. It's that competitive. And that's what I actually like about it as well. That, that leads the area in showing how competitive these leagues really and truly are if every single team has been relegated. Not saying that Spain isn't competitive because they've had three teams that have never been relegated, but 
Brazil has that level of competition that every single team has been relegated from the Brazilian top flight. Now, the interesting fact that I wanted to bring up about this league, and one of the main reasons I even had trouble trying to learn about the Brazilian top flight is because the state competitions are still in effect to this day. When we were talking about Spain having the regional competitions before the Spanish top flight or La Liga was created, that was a big monumental push for soccer to become popular. Brazil still has those state competitions to this present day. If you remember, the Brazilian top flight competes from May to December. From February to May, the state competitions happen in Brazil. And man, are they fierce. They are unbelievably, unbelievably competitive. Some regions in Brazil, these competitions have been in place for over a hundred years. That's how long these competitions have been happening. And the fact that they mirrored these together to make such a comprehensive competitive system in Brazil, honestly, I'm a bit jealous about it. Because imagine in the United States, for example... Every single state has a state competition played between all amateur and professional teams in the state, and then they declare a state champion, and then the MLS season happens. That's a completely separate competition in itself. I think that would be really, really, really interesting. Something that we can maybe explore in a future episode here on the podcast Unfortunately, that's going to be it for this week's episode. I wanted to cut it a little short, but if you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Wormburner Podcast. If you haven't given us a like, give us a like. And if you haven't checked out our website, the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm, I highly suggest that you do so. Share this with any friends or family that you think would be interested in this podcast and learning along with us. This is genuinely an exciting experience for me, learning so, so much about the world and about soccer in general. Thank you so much for everything that you guys have done listening and sharing this podcast thank you thank you a million times thank you for lasting as long as the episode has been as always guys stay safe have fun love soccer and i'll see you guys in the next episode ciao everyone